Welcome to Realcast, the weekly roundup of the real asset markets. My name's Richard Betts, and I'm joined this week by Nicole Dines, Dan Innes, and Leon Tritton. Um, Dan, what have you been following? I mean, it's been a, an undeniably pretty sad and, and pretty frightening week for anyone working in UK retail, seeing both Debenhams and Arcadia going into administration last Monday night. That's putting about 13,000 people's jobs at risk, and it really is hitting the headlines. And on top of that, a sort of emerging out of that administration news, um, the Arcadia brands, you know, Topshop, Miss Selfridge, uh, Dorothy Perkins, uh, they're now reportedly worth less than half of their original 800 million value um, on the news of that administration. Deloitte, who've been appointed as administrators, you know, they're gonna be going through Arcadia's books with a fine tooth comb to see really what value's left. It could include things like stocks, freeholds, um, and other assets. Topshop's famous flagship store on Oxford Street. I mean, that's already rumored to be on the block for sale by React News. Rumors are going around, you know, that they, that Arcadia might, it might be their chance to finally become an online only business. Um, many had actually criticized Arcadia for being a little bit slow on the uptake uh, with online, much like sort of Oasis and Warehouse, you know, where the, you know, where the Boohoo group bought them out of administration earlier this year. But, um, but, you know, I mean, Arcadia filed its accounts last year and it already revealed huge losses and quite a few onerous costs, you know, and that it kind of showed that, you know, their problems had really come to light long before COVID. Elsewhere, other things that we've been following, another great name in the retail high street, Primark, they're a FTSE 100 listed company. They had many of their shop closures across the market. I mean, they, it caused them to lose 430 million in sales just this autumn. Uh, reported by Associated British Foods. But, you know, since they've reopened, uh, of course, last Wednesday, apparently they're reporting pretty robust trading. And that's been buoyed up by about 11 of their stores opening 24 hours a day. If you remember, we commented on that a fortnight ago. Primark have reopened all 153 of its English stores after that month-long lockdown. Quarterly results last week actually forecast that sales and profits will both rise next year. And even despite the pandemic, in the 12 months up to September the 12th, Primark still made a profit of 362 million. And if you remember, I mean, Primark really expanded off into the real asset market by opening that flagship store up in Birmingham last year. You know, it used to be called the Pavilion Shopping Centre, um, opposite the Bull Ring. And they transformed like a five floor empty shopping centre into the biggest fashion store in the world. And it kind of makes you think, you know, could we see other retailers shift into that space? Um, and then lastly, for me, um, you know, in the UK, you know, offices and REIT markets, you know, Landsec announced a 550 two million pound deal to sell number one and two new Ludgate in London, citing strong investor demand. The FTSE 100 company, you know, it was once the UK's largest REIT, now overtaken by Seagro, of course. Um, it said it's exchange contracts uh, as well to sell to sell that site, which is next to the Old Bailey, uh, to the Singapore-based Singapore investment firm Sun Venture. Completion is expected at the end of this month. So, um, yeah, we're watching that one as well. Great. Thanks very much, Dan. I mean, I saw some interesting research from Collies International and CMS around the industrial and logistics side called Exceeding Borders by Kevin Turpin. And there they were saying that 2020 volumes are up on 2019 with the possibility of a record year, but also that industrial and logistics yields are likely to pass retail soon. So just interesting to see how that change is, is beginning to take shape in the CE markets. Nicole, what have you been following? 
We had a focus on uh, PropTech this week, and in particular on uh, how PropTech can help the office um, sector lure um, tenants back back to their workplace. And Andy Saul of Pi Labs had a very interesting idea. He pointed out that you know we take a lot of time and effort in uh, when we go on holiday for a couple of weeks or even a weekend in looking at reviews and uh, of places we're going to stay for a very limited space of time. But we take very little time finding out the amenities and the well-being in the spaces where you spend hours and hours of our lives, which is the office space. So he was suggesting an sort of Airbnb model, as he called it, a sort of platform um, that would give more flexibility to, to tenants, but it would also get feedback and customer satisfaction accreditation. So that would help prospective tenants know which offices, uh, whether for a short or a long time, are, are good places to, to spend many hours in uh, or not. So that was one. And Lucas uh, Balik of Spaceflow came up with some pretty practical suggestion how that can happen. For example, they have a project with Allianz. It's an app that gives real-time occupancy data on the building. For example, a tenant upstairs can know whether the canteen is full or not and can decide to go when it, there's less people there. So it, it helps with sort of social distancing and other things they've been doing in many, many buildings, thousands of buildings, has been also to introduce hands-free entry, lifts operation and so on. Again, give tenants confidence that they can go back to the office in a safe way. And, and Francesca Radio where rated said that things like air quality, which were seen as sort of fluffy, nice to have until very recently, are now very much seen as a must-have across the office sector. I also noticed Salesforce agreeing to buy the workplace messaging app Slack for $27.7 billion. That suggests that there's going to be no let-up in terms of the uh, the work from home side. Leanne, what have you been following? This year for me has um really been the year of data and I think we've all been kind of overwhelmed by so many opinions everyone's got an opinion about the future and what's going to happen so I've, I've been trying to sort of delve into data as much as possible to see what's actually happening and uh, Metricus have done some great work around what's ha actually happening with offices. They put out a report and in the first lockdown, we went right down to only 5% occupancy in offices. But in fact, after that, it, it came back much more strongly. People were back in the offices at about 40%. In so second lockdown, it went down to about 30%. So for me, the data is showing that even under these very uh, difficult circumstances, the office is very much uh, alive and well. The other thing uh, that I'd like to focus on is, is really planning permissions uh, in terms of showing not only themes, but also what is happening in the marketplace. I'm gonna start off with the Bishopsgate Goods Yard, the team of Ballymore and Hammerson have been working on this for 10 years. And finally, Sadiq Khan, the Mayor of London, granted a approval. And I think one of the most interesting facets of that is that he was very clear that there is no evidence to say that new office space is not going to be required in London. So I think that's really interesting. I, th I think also the um, amount of green space in that development is really, really important. As we've seen over this year, there's a real acceleration in terms of developers integrating green space into their development. And um, this was happening before uh, COVID. You know, there's a whole range of city buildings that have got uh, rooftop terraces now with, with uh, gardens, and, but that's just being uh, accelerated. A new developer called Fabrics has come up with an incredibly audacious office and community 
space in Southwark and they're calling it Roots in the Sky which has what they believe is the largest urban forest on a building and again Southwark Council obviously saw the value in that and, and that got through planning with no problems at all. So that's quite exciting in terms of the way design and uh, developers are working together on that. And then I move up to uh, the West Midlands actually. Um, we've talked a lot uh, in the UK about the levelling up agenda, moving investment outside of London and Hub had planning approval for a major master plan of 2,000 units in Digbeth, which is just on the outskirts of Birmingham. And that's a huge vote of confidence in that area. And uh, again, that'll be a mix of of normal housing as well as student. Um, and that's, that's a you know, massive scale development. So I think that you know, there's definitely positive signs in the marketplace and we can see what's happening on the grounds that things are moving forward. I was also interested to see that AXA investment managers had acquired Science Park developer and owner Cadan Science Partner, just giving them entry in the immediate scale in the life science and laboratory services sector. And also AXA acquiring for 180 million euros um, a data centre in, in Tokyo, which increased its global data centres platform to over a billion. And that picks up on a lot of the themes um, in, in terms of the alternative sector and the, and the growing popularity in those that we've, that we've been seeing. Thanks very much, Nicole. Thank you, Leanne. Thank you, Dan. Thank you for joining us. I look forward to seeing you next week for our regular roundup of the week in real assets. Thank you.